Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Grivy, here for a brief introduction before today's wonderful episode. Guys, it's official. We're on Patreon. That's right. Patreon.com slash Film Alchemist Podcast. The best way to support the show. The best way to get the most out of the show. So you can go over there to Patreon.com slash Film Alchemist Pod. You get a vote on Patreon-exclusive episodes. We've got mini-series. We have a really good one right now, Tales from the Griff. We're going through all the episodes of Tales from the Crypt, uh, if that's your jam. We have commentaries. We have mini-series. Uh, you can even get us to talk about the movies you specifically want. Uh, our Patreon library is big and ever-growing. We work really hard to make it worth your time and support. So if you can and you would be so kind, patreon.com slash filmalchemistpod. We appreciate you. Thank you. You can go to YouTube, uh, click subscribe on the YouTube channel, Film Alchemist. You can email us, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. You can get a hold of us everywhere. Make sure you're leaving those five-star ratings and reviews. Tell everyone why you like us so much. On your way to following us on all our socials, sharing the hell out of everything. Guys, we're going to mobilize our army. That's the plan for this year. All right. Today, we are joined by a very special guest. I love when we get a new guest pod. So today, we're joined by our new friend, Ben Mason, uh, one of the hosts of the BS Bargain Ben podcast, also have a wonderful YouTube show you can follow. They're on every kind of podcast app you can find. So uh, Ben and Sandro, his co-host, reached out and asked if we'd be interested in talking about a movie. So we kicked it back and forth, and Ben found this kind of dusted, uh, dust-covered gem of the 90s that I had never even heard of called Glory Days. And this movie is stacked cast-wise, right? You got Affleck, you got Rockwell, you got McConaughey. French Stewart, right? Just weird character, uh, weird actors all over this, right? Filling up this character list. So a stacked cast. It's kind of this lost in the 90s, teen angst. Our parents were afraid of who we were going to be, Gen X kind of tale. And so Ben brought a movie that I had never seen, which I always love. But more than that, Ben is just a very a very warm and affable guy, right? He, he's very knowledgeable about, about movies when he talks. So I kind of just sat in back and, uh, and basked and listened sometimes as if I was at a at a Ted or Ben talk, I guess, as it were. But just a really nice guy. We shared a lot of laughs. He's a wonderful guy. You should go support him and Sandro's podcast, The BS Bargain Ben. I'm sure you'll be hearing them back on this feed. Maybe someday we'll go over and uh, be on their show. More than anything, I want to thank them for reaching out because it's not every day that you uh, you get a do a podcast with a guest that you've never met, and it goes this well, right? This is a memorable one for me. I will cherish this talk uh, and getting to meet Ben finally so again that's bs bargain bin uh podcast if you want to go follow their stuff enjoy glory days Welcome to the show, everyone. Uh, we are joined today by a dear, dear friend, new to the show. Would you care to introduce yourself uh, to the listeners? Tell them where they can find yourself and what movie you chose for us today. Yeah, uh, I'm Ben Mason. I'm a host of the BS Bargain Bin podcast. I do it with uh, a dear friend, Sandra Luketic. Um, we, we talk a lot about 80s and 90s, lesser known films, a couple big ones, but we're just having fun. It's friends trying to stay in touch while living in different parts of the country. I absolutely understand. That is exactly me and Alex's thing too. Yeah, man. I was like, I and don't the- want to be the friend I just text once a year. Like, how are you? Yeah. And then like, so you'll we- get a text back six months later. Yeah. Right. So is everyone still alive? Us- are you good? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
honestly, the podcast is me torturing Sandra with movies I love and he just doesn't understand. That also sounds exactly like our show. <laughs> Match made in heaven. So Sandro um, but, and Alex need to do a pod and commiserate. <laughs> it's just them bitching about us forever. <laughs> uh, be our biggest no, episode like, ever. Um, you find us easily at BS Bargain Bin on, on YouTube, bsbargainbin.com, uh, at BS Bargain Bin on Twitter. We have Facebook, any podcast or Spotify, yada, yada, yada. Um, any comments, we just, we love talking about movies that we think people love, but haven't had the exposure that those movies deserve. Or maybe we can introduce people to really fun stuff that they had no idea existed. Right. And no, that's I mean, it, I it's, a, it's a good goal because even in this era where we have access to so many movies, it also becomes a problem because there's so many fucking movies. Yeah. So even yeah. the ones, it's like, now I can finally watch that. Where the fuck is it? <laughs> exactly. And, and, and with every change in media, we're losing about 20% of the catalog, it seems. Yeah. So you go from like beta, VHS, DVD, Blu-ray, streaming 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 every month it's changing we're, we're just and losing then the streamers stuff. collide and now eventually we won't have them anymore. <laughs> yeah and then that one day with the internet just vanishes and people are panicking because they have nothing to watch that's right i'm glad yeah. i held on to that one vhs of vampire hunter d <laughs> i'm gonna be fine during the apocalypse <laughs> Dude, uh, sitting back there i've got a laser disc copy of the thing Oh, so, hell yeah. We'll be fine. We'll be yeah. fine. We don't need the internet anymore. <laughs> All right. So you actually brought, I, I always am interested in this. It's very rare where someone comes on the show and they bring me a movie I have never even heard of. I find So you that have joined an elite club today. <laughs> so would you like to introduce the movie you chose and uh, why you want to talk about it today? Yeah. Um, I, I had asked you if you were, if you'd be willing to talk about uh, a movie called Glory Days. Depending on where you look online, it was released 95, 96, mm -hmm. I assume, theatrically, home video. Um, it was written by Rich Wilkes, mm -hmm. who his first, the first film he ever wrote that was actually produced was Airheads, followed by Glory Days. Uh, he did The Stone Age. Most people know him more so from creating Triple um, X. Triple X, that's right. Yeah, as well as uh, co-writing uh, the screenplay for The Dirt, the mm -hmm. Motley Crue story. That's right. Um, and there's something about his writing that is very true to him. And you'll mm -hmm. notice it in all of his movies. The reason why I picked Glory Days is that it is a film with an all-star cast, an amazing soundtrack, a very interesting, true story that doesn't get told anymore. And it's just vanished into the ether somehow. I mean... I had never even heard of this, and it has so many fucking now A-list actors. Yeah. Like, at one point in the movie, just, like, a casual, like, one-minute cameo, it just has Brendan Fraser pop up with Leah Remini as his girlfriend. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. that's he's just in there for, like, a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that bus scene is amazing. So good. It, ben Affleck is is the lead in, in Glory Days. Uh, he plays Jack, and I think I like him more in this than anything I've ever seen him in. Now, that's kind of an interesting, like, take on this movie, right, as to why to watch it. Because this was early Affleck, right? Again, oh, Matt yeah. Damon pops in for, like, a five-second cameo. No as the guy As the chronic jerker offer, <laughs> right? Yeah, he's just like, don't invite that guy. He jerks off all the time. <laughs> that's fucking Matt Damon. That's the fucking Martian, dude. Uh, but that the movie shows you this, this alternate universe, right? This yeah. dark path of where we could have got this dark Affleck. Yeah. Right. Like he really could have gone and like eaten up uh, Ethan Hawke's lane. Like oh, there are definitely. all these other roles that he could have done because he's essentially playing. It is kind of an Ethan Hawke like character, right? He's this, he's this kind of gruff, 
dresses bad, hates the system, even though he comes from like a rich, upstanding suburb. And he's stuck in this. And this is the thing I love too watching this movie. Because not only is it looking at this dark Affleck, but it's also this time capsule to the 90s where they were making movies kind of for our parents, but that we loved, right? Where it's like, your yeah. kids do suck. Your kids are terrible and a bad investment of money and they'll never do anything. To save the world. <laughs> See, and we watch it, we're like, fuck yeah. And our parents are like, I fucking told you. And I love the fact that you saw this for the first time, well, probably this week. Today, um, literally today. today. Oh man. <laughs> oh, oh, we're going to talk then. Because I, I first saw it, not when it came out, but I was still in high school. So late 90s. We'll probably say around right. 98. And to me, I identified with all of the main characters in this. And and that is something that we don't get today. Mm-hmm. Because everybody in the movie is dealing with an aspect of life that we're all going to encounter at some point. They're just dealing with them at the exact same times so it almost feels like the the five guys could be the same character just dealing with different things that you will encounter in your lifetime um so if you want to go through the characters we've already talked about jack played by ben affleck um right off the bat punk skater um definite attitude problem um uh we we get mickey (laughs) Uh, played by Vinny Doremus, who was also had a very small role in Airheads, mm-hmm. uh, Brendan Fraser connection, um, who's a cartoonist who is incredibly shy, uh, is a, afraid to tell people what he's feeling, afraid to show emotion, especially to girls, to mm-hmm. women. Even though he's a lady magnet. Exactly. Everybody <laughs> loves Mickey. That is the one character I found completely unrelatable. <laughs> a talented lady magnet. I was like, I don't understand this Martian at all. Uh, I, I will say the one realistic element uh, of, of Mickey is that he's ignorant to the outside world. Yes, painfully shy, I've, I've related to. Uh, yep, yep. Ignorant to social uh, structures, I kind of got at a young yep. age. Everything else, completely not not my and, lane. <laughs> I, I think why this uh, it affected me so much is that these this should be a high school movie, not a college film. That is exactly what I thought when I watched it, because their, their plight seemed... Even French Stewart plays a little older, right? He's got his shit yep. together a little more. He's a guy who's just willingly decided to like stay out of the world, right? Yep. But you watch it and you're like, Athlete comes off is such a whiny bitch. Completely. Like almost unbearable at times. Cause you're just like, dude, you're fucking 23. Get your shit together. Not yeah. that any 20 year olds yeah. had their, like, I certainly was not one who could be throwing rocks from my glass house about having your shit together <laughs> when you're 23, but also like, don't complain that you have to like go be a grown up now. Right. Yeah. Like go out to the real world, make money and still be an asshole and just go get drink and do the same shit. Yeah. But yeah and, he's, and, he's so insufferable. If you put him as a 16 year old, we give that, that we sense. give that more, we give that more rope. Yeah. When I was watching it, I'm like, this guy sucks and that's me. So I need, I need to do <laughs> some work real soon. Yeah. I definitely had my, like, I got my first like listen of rage against the machine. And I was like, yeah, burn it all <laughs> down, dude. None of this is real. It's all bullshit, dude. Going to go buy myself a Rage (laughs) t-shirt. I'm going to go to that store in the mall that's talking the real truth. (laughs) Yeah. All those hot topics. Um, Yeah. Also, I remember remember thinking it was like a gateway to like the Matrix room. I was like, this is where the real America is. (laughs) It's right here in these fucking hot topics. We're the only ones that know. (laughs) This speaks to me. These are my people. Yeah. Well, I knew because my mom wouldn't go in with me. I was like, oh, this is cool. This is cool. Now it's like everyone's mom goes in. (laughs) 
Yeah. And she's like, no, totally no, you can, you can stay outside. She's like, no, I like that shirt. I'm getting that shirt. <laughs> oh, is that a cheer shirt? I'll take <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right. You don't even know what that is. That's mine. <laughs> Hot Topic has the best lip balms. I'm telling you. It's like, what, mom? No. God. Yeah. Um, Everything what, what... good falls eventually. <laughs> you tell me, man. Watching it all happen, like, real time. I love it. Um, I, I want to hear you take about the Rob character played by Sam Rockwell. I, it's so fucking funny, man. Cause again, Sam Rockwell pops up all these McConaughey pops up, right? Rockwell's character <laughs> felt the most relatable to me, right? Agreed. Cause he's this, he's this front man. You can tell he was probably like neck and neck with Affleck, right? They were kind of the, the engine that drove the car, right? Yeah. But he's this guy who's just like, I'm graduating. I got a girlfriend. We're going to move in together. I got a gig lined up and watching his ebb and flow right up i have to do this grown-up shit but also everyone in my house is nagging me yeah. for not being their friend anymore i found that ultra relatable because yeah. i my friends were also like that we lived in a house together we tried to start a band our house got condemned when we moved out because we fucked it up so bad like i totally related to that but also you're like <laughs> dude i want to go out and do shit man yeah so like i found his character really relatable it's funny because you see the you see the the small seeds of what Sam Rockwell was going to become. Oh, but definitely. I think there's a world yeah. of no, if a person had never seen Sam Rockwell in anything else. And you showed him this movie. and You said, what's the rest of that guy's career look like? And they would have said CW show. I never thought about that. I think if you watch him in this, you don't see totally what he that. becomes going back and seeing him in this. You're like, oh, you see those those moments. Yeah. Right. Like when he's leaning into the car and talking to his girlfriend and his. Uh, her mother you're like oh there's that charm that's the thing yeah he but is i think if you had charmed. not seen sam rockwell before i don't think this is like a, oh that guy will be a star yeah i think you could say that for a lot of people in this yeah except the one person that you do see in this you're like he's gonna be massive isn't and that's french stewart i mean he had his huge show with third rock from the sun third rock from the sun sure but then he was you got big, what, but like, that was like it he got like that one tv role and then yeah no one's talking Home Alone my... 4. <laughs> I mean, it's a real tragedy. That's <laughs> a perfect is. show for you guys. <laughs> yeah, bring, <laughs> bring back Home Alone 4. Reclaim it for us. Uh... <laughs> um, we also have uh, Slosh. Slosh. Uh, Vian Hong is Slosh. And I have met so many people like that in my life mm. who start off super strong by the books. They're going to study. They're going to put out good grades because they're being pressured by their parents to do it. That is not them, but yeah. they don't know anything else. And then they're thrust into this new experience, hanging out with the rest of the house. You're just going to devolve into a party animal. And <laughs> that's where he's happy. Yeah. Like it even says in, in the beginning of the movie, all he does now is get drunk and write bad poetry and send it to Charles Bukowski. <laughs> I like that part too. Me and my friend had a Bukowski phase when we first went to LA. Everybody like, goes. We're going to go drink where he drank. And, and then you like read more of his shit. And you're like, oh, I don't want to be like Charles Bukowski. Yeah. This, is a, this is a warning sign. This is not an invitation letter. We need to get that time back. <laughs> oh, dude. But yeah, he was ultra. Because we all did that, right? Like I went to college and like first semester I had no friends. Yeah. Didn't know anyone. I think I had damn near straight A's. The very next semester I got friends. Grades dropped a little bit. The rest of college, it was just like a war of attrition. Like, can I just oh. show up to enough classes to like eke by? <laughs> Definitely, man. That 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 is the true experience. It seems maybe not anymore. I don't know. Oh, but, I bet uh, it's the same, dude. When you're that age, you're just like it's like where the wild things are, right? It's like you can't help yourself. Yeah. Well, you th there was yourself. a time 
where in school I'm like, I need to cut this off. I'm going to start focusing more on studies, get those grades back up. And I had never heard of Charles Bukowski at this point. And I found a copy of Pleasures of the Damned, mm -hmm. which is still one of my favorite books of poetry. But like by the third poem in there, you're reaching for that bottle of Jack Daniels. Oh, yeah. You're like, I want to be this soulful and introspective. And but then you what... realize that is only earned through a fucking cornucopia of pain. <laughs> in oh, yeah. Yeah, it's not this track is never going up. It's forever down until you hit rock bottom. There is something. And I think that's kind of cool because Affleck's character, Jack, really catches that. Right. This I wish yeah. I had problems so I could be a real artist. Yeah. It's like his piece yeah. of art is just this gold hand holding a CD. And you're like, anyone would know that's an F. At the same like, that's time, just I'm like, I project. would put that in my room. I would yeah, totally put sure, that in my room. You, you could put something. I mean. Honestly, I'm pretty openly on our show. Like, I think most of the art world is pretty fucking stupid. I agree completely. Like, I can look at something like the Mona Lisa and be like, wow, that's a really cool painting that you can paint someone that looks like it's yeah. natural light and whatever. When you start doing the dots or the <laughs> hand holding a CD, I'm like, come on, guys. Like, does it make you don't want a job and you're on the government teat, right? Like, we have to subsidize yeah. your life. <laughs> you, you go into any, like, art museum or anything right now, and I, I'm sorry, like, I've said this before, it's offended some people, but my immediate reaction is, I'm glad that meant something to the person who made it. Yeah, well, I'm like, they probably got a check, right? They're having yeah. fun, but yeah. yeah. I, I don't understand art. I, I'm, not, I'm not an art person. <laughs> uh, but I think that's the fun thing about art, right? Is someone will be out there and be like, I want to seem like I know what's up, I'll buy your painting. Yeah. And thus, we proliferate more artists. But how, how many of these people are doing it for the right reasons? And I think that's a perfect segue to bring in the character of, of Luther in the mm -hmm. movie. Um, John Reese davies fantastic actor. But I think he gets so much joy out of beating down Ben Affleck in this movie. He's he's a piece of shit in this movie as well. Complete piece he, of shit. He is this, this character who, through like all these platitudes and truisms and shit that he's read in his like scholastic affairs... Mm -hmm. He's telling them, oh, well, art is like, you know, this and that through structures that we can really. It's like he's not saying anything. He's not saying anything. He's no. not saying anything. Tell Affleck why it's not bad. Is he right that the world is not going to care about the plight of, you know, rich white teenagers? Yes, he's right. Yeah. In a way. But then also biggest shows we have, right? Like these big shows come <laughs> out. Anything that's about teenagers having trouble and having sex. Instant hit. Gold. So that's he's not always right. going. Yeah. Right. Like, my wife just being like, why are you still up at 4 a.m.? Oh, I'm binge-watching Euphoria. It's like, well, all right. That just happens to everyone. Uh, so Slowly he's, back he's right him. and he's wrong, right? Like, Ben Affleck doesn't have a point of view that is interesting for an art piece. Yeah. But also, there's a lot of people that fucking feel like that. Yeah, but I, I so love that So this is the other thing. It's like, it who, who gets to be these gatekeepers of art? And what does it mean? And why, you know, whatever. Like you said, you can go to any museum, and there's a piece in there that you're like, what the fuck is this in here for? Yeah. It doesn't matter right it doesn't yeah. matter it's just something for us to bounce off so you constantly see his his gatekeeping i guess is how we say it in today's parlance but uh, i'm, and it's I'm wondering i'm wondering if he would have given the exact same critique mm -hmm. if he looked at jack the same way he looks at dennis well we see dennis's pictures and they are not national geographic <laughs> quality a <laughs> working boy yeah, and it's man. just yeah, it's just fucking slosh like around the house, right? It's it's, it's not any garbage out. There is something I wanted to ask: Is Luther hiring uh hiring Dennis for more than an internship? One hundred percent. Okay, because I was like, is he just wanting to party with him, or is he wanting to party with him? <laughs> oh, it's 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 not even just single air quotes. He'll be he'll yeah. be doing this forever. 
Yeah, it's because, a big like, neon sign pointing to his crotch. <laughs> well, yeah, he gets he, he gets the art wrong, like the the medium. Oh wrong. yeah, because it's like I I'm, it really is your paintings I'm interested in. Yeah, like, uh, a photographer. I'm a photographer, and the whole like you got a pretty good scam going here. I love that line, dude. I think that's I think we hear this story a lot about creepy college professors. Yeah, you're just like ah, oh, they're away from their parents. They're impressionable. <laughs> I, I have I've got my little own. patches on my elbows. Like, I'm ready to go. Yeah, I, I've been through that. It's incredibly uncomfortable. Um, but and that's got hit thing. on by a teacher? And his son. Holy shit. You, yeah. have, a, you have a movie in you, my son. <laughs> my friend, you have a movie in I, I spent <laughs> my whole life trying to be attractive to teachers, and it never stuck. <laughs> my high school debate teacher, I thought for sure she was going to, like, leave her husband for me. No luck. Never happened. Never happened. No. I thought when Probably. I I like won that one debate meet, I was like, this is it. This I'm is showing my, my worth as a sexual partner. <laughs> <laughs> Went absolutely nowhere. <laughs> um, I, I before we get into more, I want to ask you questions about the main characters and yourself. Oh, okay. Um how do you identify with Jack, if at all? I think I think I hate Jack very much because I see a lot of how I used to be. Exactly. Yeah. I think there's a lot of Jack's personality that I could have fit into that pretty nicely. Yep. And now seeing it at my age, I am repulsed by Jack. It's eye-opening. Thinking back at how cringy it must have been to be around me in the late 90s and early 2000s. <laughs> do, you, uh, <laughs> do you see any of... Um mickey's traits in your previous self no <laughs> okay wow okay i no, I, totally I was quiet it. when i was young and then as a defense mechanism i became like a very loud kind of person in my my spaces uh very good i don't think i've ever i don't think i've ever had the audacity to say that i'm very talented at anything <laughs> uh, i think podcasting might be up there man oh uh, well thank you very much um i think that's another thing i think any of us that are like into creative pursuits I think, I don't know, a lot of people I know don't have this, but a lot of my friends that I, like, create stuff with, yeah, we all have this real, like, deep-seated fear of calling ourselves artists or being like, look, it's what I've done. Because I'm also Midwestern, and in American Midwest, it's, like, a real, like, anything that reeks of pretension, like, they're going to be on you like piranha. <laughs> right? So it's like, yeah, I thought he was the one character I didn't see a ton of myself in. Yeah. I get that too. Growing up in rural Nova Scotia, when people realize that you can string a coherent sentence together, they're like, holy shit. That's got <laughs> something going special. <laughs> uh, what about Rob? We've mentioned Rob before. I think every guy has dealt with what Rob's dealing with in the movie. So Rob, Rob, I feel like, is more that late 20s kind of life for me. Yeah. Where it's yeah. like, God damn, I love partying. But my girlfriend wants to get married and start like a real life. Like, I need to get a better job, right? Start a career. Yeah. And it is that you're trying to, like, guys, I can't go watch football till like, 2 in the morning. I have to work tomorrow. And they're like, oh, you fucking puss. You fucking Judas. You betrayed us. It's like, <laughs> I'll drink with you next Friday. Leave me alone. Yeah. It's just that constant shaming. Exactly. Of if you can't go out at any given time at the drop of a dime, that you are betraying your friends. And and that that's a really interesting <laughs> uh, part about this movie, too, is that they shame the people who are willing to move on with their lives into oh, yeah. setting themselves back. And um, not only that, Jack's literally holding the rest of their lives hostages. Exactly. 
right? We've uh, got like new colleges. We've got like jobs and apartments. We've got, we got to sign a new lease. And he's like, no, fuck that. I'm unhappy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'm too terrified to move on. This, I, I'm afraid that my girlfriend who broke up with me still doesn't like me, even though I know she does. But I can't, I can't give up on that yet because I'm not yeah. comfortable moving on. Jack I doesn't I have the introspection to be like, of course she left you. Yeah. And right? like, we all had a, and a beautiful, beautiful woman who, in her good graces, took pity on us <laughs> and was way above our league. Some of us married them. Right. But it's easy to <laughs> see why they would fucking leave you. Right? Even, <laughs> even things where Jack, okay, at the, at the, the fire at the, the beach, uh, when, uh, when Jack and uh, Dina have their, their talk and he's, pouring out his soul or what he thinks is his soul and talking about how it's poet love yeah and he gets that, <laughs> i the, love when those two guys on the overpass are like poet love you oh, fucking idiot poet love. <laughs> but i love dina's reaction she's like jack i don't care and that is not what he's expecting he's never been confronted with that and i think that's the same thing that that's why he wants to hang on to everything that's why the classic games of house darts we see that dart stick in the clock and the second hand mm. can't pass it so time freezes for yeah. a short period great shot great shot no i mean it's so relatable because also when he's opining right he's like i don't have laughs anymore there's no laughs <laughs> and he's like and you'll fix that it's like whoa anytime you go into a relationship like you'll fix something that's horribly wrong with me that you don't <laughs> yeah. want to confront that's a horrible start right that is second only to all right, the relationship's not fixing it. Let's make a baby. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> There's no brakes in this car. Add weight. Like, Where's the fail safe? Anyway. <laughs> Let's all crash and burn together in early. <laughs> uh, well, crashing and burning together, that uh, brings me to a point I also wanted to talk about, and that is that scene of preservation through destruction. I actually thought that was like one, because the script is kind of abrasive now right like it hasn't aged it super well with us but you get the energy of it and i think also it's kind of a time capsule movie for people my age where you're like oh i kind of remember living in that era right a oh, little younger than remember. them but like not like a ton yeah but that that preserving things to destroy i thought was like a shockingly poignant scene in a movie that doesn't have enough of that right i, and I so agree when french stewart breaks his nana's mug that and he's like i heart. love this mug and every time I see you guys put your lips on it, it's like you're kissing and defiling my grandmother, and I hate it. <clears throat> and I was actually mad when he smashed it. Because I was like, you should keep that Nana's mug, right? But I, I yeah. got what he's saying. Is that any of these, like, unhealthy attachments, right? You can't yes. go back, yeah. right? It's not really a hug with his Nana when he's kissing her, technically, vis-a-vis -vis the mug. And so it yeah. is. It's a heartbreak. Like, I actually felt, like, sad when he broke the mug. And so the scene pulled me in further than I thought it would. Yeah. I, I, that if it was anything other than Dennis's Nona's mug, yeah, the scene would not be nearly as effective, yeah, especially Slosh in the background just gets up and starts hacking apart a wicker chair with a machete. <laughs> now, Slash, Slosh is the one guy you're like, I would live with him, I would totally live with Slosh out of this cast. You're like, I would 100% love that guy and be good friends with him. But yeah, because at first you think it's kind of a clever writing trick, right? Is you think he's just the persnickety roommate. Yeah. Who's like, keep it clean, this and that. But then he doesn't play that way the whole movie. So no. we kind of should know that something's off. And then when they pay that off, I thought that was really good. Yeah. Um, so, uh, sidebar a bit. Uh, soundtrack. 
Yeah. What's your take on that? Because I was a skater at that time, and I loved every second of the soundtrack. All of my friends became skaters, and I got on one skateboard, and I immediately went down hard as shit. Oh, you broke yourself. And I just knew immediately. I was like, you know what, guys? This isn't me. I went on to, like, wrestle and do other things I thought were tough. Yeah. But that I fell off a skateboard once, dude. I got choked out and beat up all the time, <laughs> and I came back for more. I fell off a skateboard one time, and I was like, this is not for me. <laughs> so I, ha I have an utter huge amount of respect, and I grew up around a ton of people who were into the skate culture and, you know, that early kind of CKY shit. Like, just loved yep. anything we could get in the Midwest because we didn't have anywhere to skate, right? We're, like, real country. Yeah. So like, and there weren't kids I, like going that. to like malls, like maybe we could skate there. That would just never dawn on us that that was a thing. So it was really just like setting up like pieces of wood we found and trying to like, you know, jump on that. Not me, of course. I was the guy like <laughs> holding the camera, but, uh, or yeah, the man, so I, I like the, I always thought of skate energy as this real, like it kind of, it has this like permanent bonding in my mind to the punk rock scene. Yeah. Where it's just, we're mad. We want to do something. We want to be loud. We want to go fast. We want yep. to maybe fall and hurt ourselves, right? So I, I have a real nostalgia for that scene. And I think it's necessary to tell the story. Even if you don't like punk music and you're writing this, obviously Rich Wilkes is a fan. He's a musician. He loves right. the genre. Um, I think with a punk soundtrack, it mm -hmm. elevates the believability of Jack in the movie. Yeah. Because if he was like a folk fan... Like folk <laughs> just listening to Bob Dylan and shit. It's like get the yeah. fuck out of here, Jack. This this movie doesn't make it past five minutes for me. <laughs> That's um, a really fair point because then his pretensions have gone too far. Yeah, exactly. But him just like rocking a no FX hat. You're like, I knew that guy. Yeah, I knew that guy. We're all, also kind of curious if it's actually Ben Affleck on that skateboard because it's like we okay. need to cover his so head. I thought that, and I one thousand percent. There's no fucking way. Yeah. Yeah, that's something I don't think you can just like pick up in like a month or two. And I'm assuming this probably didn't have a huge budget or a long pre-production. Oh, God, no. No, no, no. So I've never heard that Ben Affleck was a skater in my whole life. There's no way you can just skate down that hill. Yeah. And that's like a fucking rural, like windy road. Yeah. There's no fucking way they're putting the star of their movie on that fucking skateboard and rolling it down the hill. <laughs> no, it's great. Yeah, that, that downhill, that's going to take a while to learn. So like, let's oh, find yeah. somebody who's kind of the same build put a toque on him sunglasses yeah that i mean he wasn't huge beard. back then it's just like six foot three guy with a terrible goatee yeah you know, terrible haircut too really bad haircut we did that's... i went through that though i i was in the uh when i was in high school wrestling uh eminem came out so one year we did that yep. everyone on the wrestling team dyed their fucking hair like slim shady no and i didn't realize my hair is very curly so if you just glob it on but you don't get like in the curls so I essentially looked like a, like almost like a on its deathbed leopard, right? Like a leopard who'd been left in an abandoned zoo. And it went, so it was, dude, I thought my dad was going to disown me. It was so bad. <laughs> so we all did that say, shit, man. I totally thought you were going to say you looked more like Timberlake, but. No, because I was not bringing sexy back in any way, shape or form. I had a friend, a best friend I used to hang out with, right? We used to drive around in this shitty old like 1960s car. And he was just oh, that, he was, he was that friend, right? The big Jinkos, the big fucking chains. He was always like carrying knives, which I was like, oh, this is fucking cool. So me and him became friends. Come to find out he was fucking rich. He lived in a rich house. We all like thought that. he was like this tough kid from the other side of the track, but he had the good leopard hair. Even his eyebrows were leopard. 
Oh, and the so moment my mom saw him, I thought she was going to, like, grab a shovel. Like, he was some, like, unknown rodent that was going to eat us. <laughs> and I immediately was like, this guy's even cooler now because my mom is appalled by his friends. <laughs> but we're going, like, full professional leopard, like, uh, Yeah, like his was, like, Offspring. Good. Like, there's no way he fucking did that on his own, as I learned later. I was like, oh, he's not that cool. He went to his mom's beautician and, like, got that's, that shit professionally done. That's bullshit, man. I mean, There's it was no... the coolest fucking haircut. I mean, like, a beautiful, like, National Geographic leopard, like, eyes and hair. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Um, but now I know. Now I know. And we're never going back there. We're never going back. We're never going back there. There would, There's some amount of money I would go back there. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, if you're going to pay me, I mean, we'll have conversations. Yeah. I come That's very fine. cheap. <laughs> I come very cheap. <laughs> It's just you and me undercutting each other. Yeah. No, $5. $5. Final offer. All right. $3. <laughs> uh, $250. can not be $250. That's right. Um, I, I, I want to ask you about the, the scene in the film with Jack and his parents. Mainly, mainly because I want to talk about that weird shot out of nowhere that we'll get to. But you say you love that scene. I I think it's kind of important because I think Jack is such an unsympathetic, like, super douche of a character, right? Yes. But I think getting to that point, he's on the day of his graduation. So even all his punk rock bullshit, even if you don't value art school, which I definitely live through, right? My dad being like, hey, when are you going to switch to a real major? Totally get all that. You have to do something at this kind of like halfway point of the movie to get me to keep watching. Yeah. Showing how fucking hardened and horrible his father is immediately reactivates that young teenager in me to be like, yeah, fuck you. Do what you want, Jack. I think it's a crucial scene in the movie. Agreed. Actually. And I think the actor plays it to, to near perfection, just being this because he, he's he's hateful of his son, but in a pretty believable way. Spalding Gray played uh, played Jack's father. And if mm. you look at any of his stand up, like swimming to Cambodia or anything like that. I didn't that. even know it's, he was a stand-up. Oh, it's dry as fuck, man. Like, <laughs> you, you, can, you can see that. If you would give um, me a thousand guesses of his profession, there's no way I guess stand-up comedian. Well, he's also, he fucking he, nailed it. He was an author, too. And it, uh, if you can find any of his stuff, it, it's interesting. I don't know how much of his opinion I agree with, but it's interesting to see his stance. Um. Yeah, if people can present their shit really well, I don't really care if I agree with their opinion. Yeah, if it's exactly. a good read, I'm in. How absurd is that character, though? Right he down is to... very absurd, and I think, like, now, right? Like, guys that are dads like me now, that dad is so fucking rare now. Like, now dads yeah. are very activated into, like, I don't want to be like my father. Oh, yeah. So, like, a lot of us who had that kind of shit in the past were, like, extra doting fathers, right? Oh, yeah. But I, like, someone young watches this will be like, what the fuck? Like, you just left him in the restaurant? <laughs> My dad did shit like that all yeah. the time. It's yeah. like, oh, you think you're big? You think you can fucking pay for gas money in the car? <laughs> it's like, yeah. all it's, right, it's, well, what the fuck? It's basically, yeah, I'll let you do what you want to do until you realize what you want to do is pointless. And then we'll get you in the factory where I started. Yeah, there is a, because my father had this too, where it's like, I would come home from college. I'd hang out with my friends all weekend. We'd kind of dodge each other. Yeah. My stepdad. And then he would tell my mom, like, I'm driving him back. And I'd be like, 
fuck. No, no, Because you're no. like, for two hours, he's going to do the, do you really want this? If you want yeah. it, you got to kick that fucking door down. What are you doing? Lazy. Nothing. Like, you think you got talent? You don't got talent. Like, just like, for two hours, he had this, if I can grind him down enough, I'll fucking break him. Yep. And so oh. what it did in me was, it didn't activate this, like, I want to prove him wrong. It just activated this, fuck this guy. Like, yeah. fuck this guy. So, like Jack, it didn't activate me into, like, I'm going to be the LeBron James of whatever. <laughs> it just made me really fucking mad. And then it it's, made me get really fucking drunk and act really fucking stupid. It's a brilliant character to inject into this movie because I yeah. think even Rich knows, as he's writing it, uh, we're, we're losing people's favor for Jack. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So then let me move on to what Jack sees out the window. The man slapping a fish repeatedly. <laughs> That that was just such a fucking like '90s indie movie, where it's just but like it, any like oddball thing. You're like, this will add flavor. It's like, what but it, it, it it doesn't fit. It makes me so angry. Something I actually got in this like rich ass restaurant. These are yeah. fucking rich. I guess rich people can be super weird too. But usually in like sex cults, not fish right? slapping. Yeah, if you're gonna be rich, have cool rich weirdos shit. Right. Yeah, I mean, you could probably slap fish at sex cults, too. That's fine. I, I think someone asked me recently to watch this. I can't remember what it was, but I'm in this film group where we, like, assign people movies, right, that you haven't seen. And someone gave yeah. me this movie called, I think it's called 1114, right? And it's got all these. It's kind of like this, but of, like, the early 2000s, right? Where okay. it's uh, uh, Jason Siegel's in it, Ben Foster's in it, Patrick Swayze's in it. It's one of his last movies. Okay. Uh, there's a bunch of other fucking people. I can't remember off the top of my head, but just a ton of fucking recognizable actors who are in this really like small indie film, right? Yeah. And I was watching, I was like, wow, this is pretty good, right? This isn't bad. The actors are good. And you're just like, it's got that indie movie problem where it's like, let's take a really normal scenario and just add something so fucking weird. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, all right, this is kind of taking me out more than bringing me. Yeah, and it's okay if that that kind of thing happens, like here and there throughout. Yeah. If it's a world where someone would slap a fish, yeah, sure. And there is something about indie movies where it's like, we well, wouldn't see this in a studio movie, and you're like, yeah, for probably because reason. ten of the fifteen people that have a voice are like, who slaps a fish? <laughs> this makes no cut the fish slapping. Yeah, that's an entire setup we're gonna say. <laughs> and my my friend who I was watching this, <laughs> you need to write that down and remember that man. Um, the friend I was watching it with was like, well, it's absurd for absurdity's sake. It's it's a choice. I'm like, exactly. Well, if we exactly. need that, Spalding Gray as Jack's father has a pig's head on a platter with other food, which is insane because Jack doesn't get anything and, and Jack's mother doesn't have anything and he doesn't eat it. It's just a giant spectacle. Yeah. So it seems like a weird next level to go with slapping a fish to then just go back to Jack dealing with his parents as they're driving away. Yes. A, although I it, love Spalding Gray being like, he's a man of the world now. He'll figure it out. Yeah. He, he'll fucking do it. It's, and then the mom's like, bye, honey. We love it. So yeah, it's like that, yes. that peacemaker thing. It's like, yeah. I still love my kid, but my husband's an unbearable dick. It yeah. is this like, we hate Jack, but we hate what his father becomes more. Yeah. And that's a fear that we all fucking share. Oh God. Yeah. But this movie has a ton of like, absurd for absurd sake like just the where they're like house darts and they do it like 10 times yeah and they just like whip darts into the walls like 
I was also angsty. But, like, we destroyed our houses on accident. We didn't fucking just, like, throw darts around like fucking idiots. And so they do well, this where it's like, let's us... add these idiosyncrasies, right? This will fucking add flavor. Some of us have, have led different lives, Griffey. <laughs> were you a house darts guy? We were a ninja yep. star group. Oh, but we would fancy. always find no, that's like fancier though. We would always find like old pieces of plywood or trees and shit. We weren't throwing them around our homes. Okay. Well, we knew that most of the shit that we had in our house wasn't going to make it to the end of the year when we moved out anyway. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I definitely remember that when uh at the end they're, they're talking to French too. It's like I'll be in Michigan, dude. It's fine. Like we just yeah. fucking left. We're just like fuck this house. We're not cleaning anything. They yeah, can they're, fucking they're sue me. I have no me. money. <laughs> poor poor Slosh just moved down the street. He did. He's. I actually thought that, that was a bitch ass move by Slosh uh, to just put the sign on his new house. Yeah, that doesn't go the up disrespect. there. Disrespect. Complete disrespect. disrespect. Yeah, I think that's why Affleck flipped him off. But yeah, yeah, you got to keep that Rancho sign like a shrine. That's what I'm saying because it, it is a literal like time capsule. Like this is over. It will never be the same. You can't just re Rancho. Yeah, with these other you, fucking you, doofuses. You never re Rancho, especially with a guy like Stu. Yeah, Stu is not. This is the thing. Rancho is is not an idea. It's not a light. It's not Batman, right? It's not a signal yeah. to the rest. Rancho <laughs> is a specific one ad numbered address. It's yeah. gone now. Yeah, so, yeah. How bad do you want that sign? Zero I, percent. I, I, <laughs> fuck you, man. I I would kill for that sign. <laughs> if there was something from like, because we we were seven twenty three Reserve Street. Okay. And I'll tell. We got so bad. Me and my roommate, we we had such a fucking monster party house. My one roommate hated it, just lived with his girlfriend. Our other roommate was pre-med, so he just was locked in his room. We never saw him but, like, once a month. And so me and my friend were just fucking destroying this house, right? Partying, and we're like, we, so we, we sat down. We're like, this is fucking insane. We got we to gotta clean our act up. Yeah. And so we're like, no more parties unless we both agree on it so we can get work done. We're like, cool. So I go to class. I come home to my house. It's like 11 a.m. or noon, and there's just these fucking people in my living rooms fucking smoking out. And I was like, fucking Sam, that bitch. I was yelling about my roommate. <laughs> so I'm like, whatever. I go in my room. I slam the door. I'm fucking playing video games or something. And he kicks my fucking door in like an hour later. And he's like, you fucking liar. And I was like, what? Fuck you. And we're like yelling at each other. And he's like, we said no more parties unless we both agree. And I was like, yeah, exactly. Wait, what? And we walked down the living room. We're like, hey, who are you guys? What are you doing here? And like, oh, dude, our buddy said this was the party house. And so without us knowing, yep. and we didn't lock our doors because we were idiots, these fucking vagrants just like popped into our house at like 10 a.m. and start tried to start a party without us even knowing. I mean, that that's so I was like, that is just a lifestyle I'm very familiar with. So something <laughs> to commemorate that house, I would love. See, that makes perfect sense. I get that for sure. Yeah. Um, never have I lived in a situation like that, but I've definitely been part of a situation like that. So yeah. I, I, I get it. Oh, yeah, um, dude. We would light fireworks in the house. We were doing, like, seances in the basement and shit. It was, like, a weird year of, like... It was our first time away from our parents, but when you're in the dorms, you still have a structure. Yeah. Like, there's still, like, a narc yeah. on every floor to, like, rat you out if you're drinking or your noise is too loud. This was the first time we're, like, total fucking freedom. <laughs> oh, dude. Never, never <laughs> lived in a dorm. Always apartments. Yeah. Always houses. Do not... Although, a lot of my best friends, like, we still hang out. Are people I met in the dorms. Yeah. But so happy to not... Like, once you get into that house, it's like, it's the first time you feel like you're truly in charge of yourself. Yeah. And so I think that's where, like, like we didn't realize you had to pay bills. It's like, we yeah, got that, our power shut off discovery. in the winter. Like, we just didn't, like, we all thought the other people were doing it. 
And so, like, all our shit got shut off. And I was like, I, that's what I think back about college a lot. It's like this movie kind of hits on. It's like a lot of the lessons you really learn is you're just learning to be a human human being that can exist in society. Oh, yeah. More than it, you're there to, like, learn whatever the fuck you – because, you know, I was doing film and, like, Greek mythology and shit. Yeah. I almost – I was, like, one class away from having a minor in women's studies. I don't even know what class I took. I was just taking weird shit. <laughs> but a lot of what I had to learn was just, like, I had to go there and be a monster like Jack where I'm just drinking and being a fucking idiot. So I got some of that out of my system so I could go into the real world. Yeah, and you do and need – you need space like that. Absolutely. Like, uh, there, there was one place I lived that where like you could see like, it was so old you could see the horse hair poking through the wall that they used in like the <laughs> insulation, and that's where like that was that was a party house. My my friend and I who lived there we were having a party and he put one of the uh, those you know the sparklers through um, uh, piercing in his ear a hole in his ear and oh. lit it, and it was going off and we lit a firecracker and somehow that set off the like the smoke detector. <laughs> So we book it out the front door of the house as the police are driving by and we freeze and they freeze. And I was like, run. <laughs> Cause we're not in our right minds at all. Yeah, what the fuck? So they're chasing us down from there. I ended up moving into an old pinball machine repair factory. Hell yeah, dude. So like <laughs> the environment, <laughs> the environment that these characters live in is a character unto itself. And it this really house is. is. That's a great point. That. That's a great point. Uh, Dude, I want to ask you about a weird scene. Okay. This feels like something that's a very 90s thing. Like, we need to sell this movie. Yeah. Do you think it was weird that we watched Jack's sex tape and the main actress as she's pulling her breast out just says, don't show anyone this? Yep. I was yep. like, what a weird transposition to put me in. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> that, that, everybody I know who has watched this movie, I'm like, oh, yeah, convince people to watch it. They look at me and they're just like, really? This is okay. I was like, she specifically says, don't let other people into this moment. Yep. And immediately does. I was like, that's another fucking red flag on Jack's resume. Yeah. That's another red flag. <laughs> also. Because also you get the feeling Jack has shown that tape to everyone else in the house. 100%. Absolutely. They all seem to know. Because yeah. the, the cool thing about this is that he will never bring up the whole Dina thing. It's always one of his friends that will bring it up to him. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's because at that time, it's not cool for you to talk about what you're dealing with. Yeah. The poet, at least as soon as he it. says poet love, he gets fucking immediately lambasted. Oh, yeah. He, well, she tells him straight off, like we already covered, I don't care. Yeah. Literally. And then you got care. these two random guys up there just ripping them apart. I, I love those guys. That would have been <laughs> me and my so friends good. a thousand percent. You fucking idiot. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, well, again, because we also see him. He doesn't mention it because that would break his, like, I'm a tough, like, fuck the world kind of guy. Yeah. He literally wears a shirt that says hate on it. I was like, that is the most rich kid thing I've ever It seen. really is. And then he he only calls her when he gets really drunk to just fucking curse her out and this and that. Yeah. And it's like, Jack, I'm not with you, man. Like, no. I actually, if there's one thing I wanted in the movie a lot more of, I wanted her to, like, really fucking break down his bullshit. Uh, it, it, so I feel like Dina, Dina was with him. It felt like for at least enough time, right? Yeah. And then decided to leave. So she's seen through the act. I thought it would have been a great moment because no one really lays it out for him, right? His dad and his dad kind of. He's an unreliable character for us to like link under the message. Definitely. I thought yeah. for her to just fucking lay into him, and that moment would have been beautiful. If 
that is the that is the fish slapping scene that we needed. <laughs> what, right. You could have saved that thirty seconds. <laughs> just laying I mean, them out, talking about. There like, is something about her just saying, "I literally don't care." Yeah, it is cathartic in its own way. It is. My, okay, the problem I have with Jack at the end, um, and I want to talk about Rob for one more second, but I want to talk about Jack at the end. At what point are we supposed to believe that he's okay with moving forward now? He's just like, well, I can't drunk Caldina anymore, so I yeah. guess I'll go to my brother's. Yeah. Do you, do you guys know that she doesn't care? Yeah. She's over yeah, it. I'm, 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 she's over it. I watched the tape. She seemed to like it. <laughs> yeah. Like, didn't you hear the guys up there, man? Yeah, Nobody... they keep him nice and, and hateable, though. Because as he's driving, he sees her car parked. And he's like, do I take my baseball bat to her car? Or do I write the most fucking cliche fucking so, rich kid so thing? Bad. Angst for the memories. I was like, oh. <laughs> uh, like no wonder she chose she chose a dreadlock white guy over you yeah that should be the number like i got to do better i have to do this is what she chose over me yeah it's time he, to make some changes he doesn't take a hint about anything no you just imagine him moving into his brother's house and making his brother's life miserable yeah he's like you need to fucking get out of here man yeah, I, I, you, you got you a month you know like <laughs> How, how many of these hand-holding CD sculptures are you going to make before you leave and get a real job? <laughs> yeah, Dad's got the factory the still. Uh, you do get the sense that he might end up as, like, one of those bitter old men. Oh, yeah. Like, is that what happens to, like, the jacks of the world, right? Is you eventually cave in, so you're like, you know what? Being rich is pretty awesome. And then you just start to hate anyone young because you're like, that could have been me. Holy shit, Griffey, are you talking about me? I, and me. Oh, God, no. <laughs> well, dude, now I actually have a lawn, and my wife makes fun of me. She's like, you are turning into Clint Eastwood and Gran Torino without the racism. Okay. I, that, I, I was nervous for a second there. No, no, no. There's, there's <laughs> no way I want to be compared to Clint Eastwood. But she's like, I do this. If I see someone walking into my yard with their dog on a leash, I'm ashamed to admit this, but I run up my stairs, right? Because I have, like, a little yeah. landing. So it's, like, one flight of stairs, a little thing, and then the rest of them up, right? And there's this window where I can see my side yard. Because <laughs> if I'm mowing the yard and I see dog shit, I fucking lose it. Like, I, I'm fucking violently jack-like raging. And so I run up to watch people, like, go into my yard and make sure their dog's not shitting. And I, I am embarrassed saying <laughs> that despite my best efforts, despite me trying to maintain any level of coolness, I am slowly becoming that guy. This is an interesting insight into your life. <laughs> you're, you're letting you us all me during in a the day <laughs> there is a real like becoming that old neighborhood guy but then i i'm like i can't do this and i have to go out and get hammered at night to, like, wash <laughs> at, least, that away. <laughs> at least at least your wife's not like you know you're you're really starting to turn into clint eastwood from any which way but <laughs> Yeah, I would like to just not be Clint Eastwood. <laughs> you just walk away with your orangutan. I think what she's saying is it's like that famous Clint Eastwood gift from Gran Torino when he has the coffee. And he's like, Ugh. oh yeah. She's like, that is essentially your like status quo from like four p.m. and earlier. Yeah, and I was like, all right, I get that. I hate That's that fair. about myself, but it's your property, man. That's what I'm saying. It's mine. You watch that shit. <laughs> get that shit off my lawn. Oh, dude. Cause this is the thing I, I have it both ways. Cause also we were hiking with my kids the other day and there's like this little wooded area. with like a circle. Right. And there's this fence yeah. where the people who run it live. Right. So don't go up there. My kids <laughs> didn't. 
And my wife's like, get on the fucking fence so we can take a picture of you. And like, you know, we'll do this every year. I was like, all right. So they do it. And we're walking by and they run into the bathroom. I'm standing there by myself with my dog. And this lady's like, you know, that's private property. And I was like, what? Who? And I looked over and there's these three old fucking white hairs. And they start giving me the business. And I'm like, what? And they're like, that's private property. I'm like, it's not. I assure you it's not. I come here all the time. <laughs> and they're like, well, it is. And you should watch out. And I was like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> is that and a she, threat? So literally I said, who the fuck are you? And she did the. <laughs> like I was fucking running at her. She just looked at me and gave me this cartoon. And she's like, I don't know. And I'm like. You fucking started with me. So I'm like fucking losing my mind. And it's just like, I can't win either way. Either I am the curmudgeon old lady or I'm being assaulted by the curmudgeon old lady. This is life now, man. This, this is, is just what we have now. to look forward to. That's what I'm saying. Because now the most relatable show to me is Curb Your Enthusiasm. Okay. You watch yeah. Larry David and you're like, that is where my mind feels like it's 90% <laughs> of the time. Just getting wildly mad about nonsense. <laughs> But yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I think I think that's what I love about the movie is they're all driving off. Yeah. You don't want to drive off with Jack, but we've all done that drive off. Yeah. And we all, and we all even Affleck, right, is douchey because I hate the voiceover that he does. I terrible. hate his voiceover so much. But he has that line where he's like, I just I'll never have friends or love like that anymore. You can't throw yourself in it once you've been hurt. And I was like, fuck, man. Like, that does that's... ring true also. Yeah. There is a counter argument to that too, though. Yeah. Um, I, I think who we should be focusing on at the end of this movie is Rob. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to talk to you about because one of my favorite scenes of this entire film is when Rob and Mickey meet the used truck guy. McConaughey. The, the yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that is my favorite cameo in this film that has so many. But, now that's one where you're like, that guy's got that next thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like he can at least just go on and be an amazing weird character actor, you know. Well, and then he went you, on you to be Matthew McConaughey. You say that, but before this, what did he do? Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre: The Next Generation. Dazed and confused, maybe was right before this. It was right before. That was like I want to say Angels in the Outfield <laughs> was in this time. <laughs> oh my God, I forgot yeah, about that. Yeah, he was one of the non like yeah. descript fucking outfielders. <laughs> but with with rob he, he has a legit fear that that is his future because this guy just drove to town with his with his girl and her mother and the two of them took off and he hasn't heard from them and now mm -hmm. he's just an alcoholic renting out trucks I and it's so relatable because when you're young every old person you see you're like dear god you look at them like they're zombies and you don't want to yeah. get infected yeah that's totally and it. what sucks is as we get older we still have that in us without the introspection. And sometimes we get called and it's like, you're one of them too. Yeah. Right. Like me and my buddies always talk about, we want to go back and like get hammered at our college town. We're like, ah, for your 40th birthday, we'll go get fucked up at college. And it's like, and I told him like, have you ever been back? And I was like, I went back once, like right as I turned 30 and we went to penny pitchers, right? Which is you pay like a door charge and they just hand you giant pitchers of beer. That's dangerous for free. It's five bucks to get in and you get pitchers of beer. So I used to drink those fucking two at a time, right? All night. I walked in and I got one and I was like, I took a sip and I was like, ew, it's flat. And I said, <laughs> hey, can I have a Stella? And these two guys at the end of the bar called me a not very nice name that I'm not willing to say on air and fucking laughed in my face. I was like, oh my God, I'm like a dad now. I'm like the dad in the bar. <laughs> I, I, need to get out of here. I, was like, I was like, I don't still got it. I'm not still cool to like hang out. <laughs> hard 
But see, Rob, oh, the scene that you, I take from Rob that was really good. So the scene from Rob that I actually thought was really insightful and good yeah. was him being afraid to put on his pimp jacket to perform. Yes. What did you think about that scene? I liked it because he's trying to move on, but is terrified and he's not willing to stay. So he is, he is torn because he, he honestly doesn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. But it is one pimp motherfucking jacket. It is, but it's almost like he's afraid. It's like a werewolf with the full moon. He's like, if oh, I put this on, I'll become that guy. Again. And, and he, he even like goes on to yell at his girlfriend. Exactly. He, and he, he he's, does. he's channeling a little Jack once he, he's like, this means something to me. It's like, all right, dude, bring yeah. it down. <laughs> yeah. You're, you, even like that is actually Sam Rockwell singing. You're like, you're not, you're not great, man. Yeah. Like, I understand you're having fun. <laughs> But fun and quality aren't the same. I mean, me and my friends, we used to form fucking shitty garage bands, and we'd have to talk, like, when we make it. We have to yeah. have rules, right? It's going like, to someone calls a lady, don't fucking, like, you know, all these band rules about we have to dodge the trappings of success. <laughs> and it's like, we could barely play a song. But we're already, like, writing way down in the future. So I actually love that. I think every band, yeah. when they play their first song, thinks, like, holy shit, this is it. Yeah. Like, this is the first. We're going to be massive. <laughs> The first time me and my friends, the four of us, could play a song together. No idea if it even sounded good looking back on it. I'm assuming not. But we were so fucking jazz. And see, that's that youthful, youthful just like, there's always, hope springs eternal when you're that age. Yeah. Right? But it's not just hope, it's also health. Well, yeah, just being young and healthy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Young, healthy-minded, right? But that's because at this age, we're always looking back and like, me and my friends always said this, like, if you could go back, would you redo it? And we're all like, yeah, dude, we go back and we'd work so hard and we'd be so much smart. It's like, no, you wouldn't. You go back and be 22 and you do the exact same shit because it was great. Exactly. That's what your 20s are for, right? Yes. That's what your teenage years are for is yeah. the fuck around. You feel like I thought I pushed my limits. Turns out I haven't yet. So yeah. I'm going to try a lot harder. When I, I don't want to be grinding like the rock when I'm fucking 22. Yeah. I want to be having fun while I'm on this thing. <laughs> grinding is for when you're old right you're trying yeah. to give money to the teacher yeah. but i want to ask you another question why oh why oh why did they all agree to stay one more year with jack it doesn't make sense it does not make sense at all um it almost feels like he well he does he bullies them into it specifically wrong big time and that's where you also see that slosh does look up to these guys why <laughs> he's actually kind of a sad like remnant right or it's yeah. like this was a promising young guy if we fucking destroyed. <laughs> although honestly i don't know if this hit you but slosh at the beach party explaining he's like i made a calculated choice i'm not some burnout loser yeah right like i made a choice that i needed to go as low as i could and face my fear of failure in this and that which actually, yeah. that was a great moment for Slosh. It's amazing. Even to the point where he brings up that his like grandfather doesn't speak his name or cries whenever someone speaks his name or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that is the nice thing about not growing up with a ton of money is there's so little expectations. It's like, just don't yeah. get arrested. Don't knock anyone up. <laughs> Show up yeah. at school. <laughs> yeah, basically, it's like, oh, you made it through high school. Well done. What a non-criminal you become. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> How many arrests this year? Zero. Yeah. <laughs> huh. A lot of my friends and family cannot believe it. I've never been arrested once. 
I got cuffed once, but they let me out. Yeah, same. <laughs> Not a record I'm trying to break. Knock on wood. Um, There's always time. Can you explain to me what the fucking meaning was of that totem pole? That Jack is definitely going to jail for cutting down. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's why uh, Jack really is like, hey, dude, I'm actually going to leave the house. It's because he's evading yeah. arrest. That's why he's like, I'm going to take that down. So, uh, yeah. There's oh, a piece oh, of oh, art that is spawned to a culture. I'm going to destroy that because it's not a CD. <laughs> and it's like, well, it's basically preying on Dennis, who just found out that all the praise he's been getting for his art is meaningless because Luther just wants to sleep with him. He's trying to honeypot him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, well, if he's my partner in crime and he's in high regards, it's not going to look so bad for me. But yeah, once you cut that down, the police are being called before you get halfway through that yeah and the way they shot it it's as if they're looking at them like they're only like 50 feet away they're just yeah. watching them yeah. in slow motion because i was like with that tiny ass chainsaw that had to take like 30 minutes to Dude, take that did you see Affleck? <laughs> it's not a leather face like three right that's oh, all no. his family like that's a little tiny handsaw he is leaning into yeah. that so hard because that blade <laughs> is nowhere near as wide as that totem pole well i like at the end if you watch it before it breaks they actually show how they cut it and he like cut it in a ring Yo, <laughs> so yeah. he had to be sawing on that fucking thing spinning for around i just like to imagine john reese davies is just not moving like no god no <laughs> no stop for like an hour he's like can i have another one no no please one thing <laughs> It's like the it's like in Austin Powers where the guy like the guard freaks out about the steamroller. <laughs> steam no. <laughs> but yeah, no, you're right. That it, it, it doesn't make sense. It looks terrible. Um, it really would be the end of the movie for most of the characters. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's definitely facing. He's gonna run back to his rich dad. He's gonna have to work in the factory to pay off his fucking lawyer. Jack's Jack's future is dark. <laughs> yes, it is. There's no way around that. Even with the ending we get, we have no reason to believe that Jack's going to succeed in life. Our 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 biggest hope is that he does not commit another act of vandalism and break this innocent girl's car apart. Yeah. Or beat her husband, her boyfriend to death, whatever the fuck is happening. So that is supposed to be enough for us. Yeah. So good for you, Jack. Yeah, good for you for not destroying somebody else's property or causing bodily injuries yeah. to another after person. she just specifically said you're not that good of a guy it's like yeah. fuck you i'll prove it by beating your car up. um so i want to kind of end on this right sure as we look at this movie and it's kind of peers right there are a lot of these movies coming out right it was almost like a a new wave of like link later slacker right so okay. i think clerks kind of busted this out and then there were just a ton of these movies of like 90s slacker kids who like the gen x struggling right yeah. Uh, you know, Reality Bites comes to mind. Perfect. Uh, a lot of movies like this, right? Yep. And this one feels like, because again, I'd never heard of it. And I love that kind of genre of movie. Why do you think this one just disappeared? And what about it do you think merits it being brought back into that kind of club when people are looking for these movies? Um, this has always been a mystery for me. Um, the only reason I heard of it is because a guy working in the video store that i went to that one day told me about it and he said i know you i know what you like you will like this <laughs> and i took it home and watched it and i loved it and i still love it, it it's it been like what 30 years almost oh my god yeah almost. and it still rings true for me i don't know why it's been forgotten i think mainly it could be because 
it does deal so much with individual emotion that we weren't able to talk about at the time because you can't make this movie today it doesn't fly the the themes don't even really exist to some extent yeah uh, it was also unknowns um i mean you could say the same thing for clerks mm-hmm. but like with days to confused you had some some stars with with uh just the slacker genre there there was always some link if it was the director the writer a star um this was nobody's and this was a low budget film semi-autobiographical rich wilkes hadn't really done a whole lot and he's he's such a chill guy i guarantee he didn't try and push it hard he just loves to talk about stuff and his his passion for the culture comes through in this movie but i feel like he didn't want to push it anywhere he just wanted to make a statement and let it go um so you can get away with doing that with a cast of, of no names i don't know why it it kind of got stuck in 95 96 and it's to me it's a problem because it's definitely a movie worth talking about today that no one's going to know about mm-hmm. because it's dealing with issues that i think every every guy i know has dealt with for the most part who at that time we were not allowed to talk about it today oh yeah in the 90s you would never dare show emotion around your friend group no exactly not even a hint of sadness or nothing like that would not fly (laughs) and if you did you got mocked horribly brutally yeah today it's expected yeah so i think that's why this movie could be considered lost today because the way that we're dealing with problems in the movie are to well for the most part extinct or frowned upon yeah um so that's an interesting way because you kind of watch this movie and you're like yeah, no wonder Woodstock 99 happened. Like, yeah. there's just all this pent-up fucking rage. <laughs> oh, this, this, like, this movie is rife with toxic masculinity. It completely oh, is. Oh, for sure. And th- um, it is kind of funny to think back now. You're like, because that, I always think that the 90s was, like, a couple years ago. <laughs> Me too. Right, because that was, like, yeah. my decade. And now you're like, yeah. oh, my God, it's so fucking, like, when I watched the Woodstock 99 documentary, you're like, good God, when was this, the 70s? Yeah, like, it that was so eye-opening. And you're just like, fuck, dude, that was me. Um, mm-hmm. So I think I look back on it and I see so many of my friends and people. Because, again, not that we were trying to be. It's just we grew up in rural Indiana. Yeah, We didn't know that toxic masculinity was a thing. That was just masculinity as we knew it. Yeah. Right? Our dads, if you fucking cried, like, stop being a girl. Right? Yeah. Whatever the yeah. fuck they'd say. Like, all these horrible things about don't show emotions. Don't talk about this. Don't be weak. Fucking break your head through a wall. And you're like, and this is what happens. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what happens. It is kind of funny because hopefully that will, hopefully those kind of dads will be mostly extinct, right? I don't think that's like a big thing anymore. No, we're getting there. Yeah, which but I don't think can... we need more jacks running around. But no. <laughs> but it is such a, I think that's why I love this generation of film, right? Mm-hmm. Is because to me, it's so fucking, it's a time capsule. Yes. It takes me right back to where me and my friends were. Yep. In trying to deal with things without the the language or emotional intelligence to deal with things. Yeah, you're and not just watching us to bang our you. heads into the wall and be mad and want to be heard, but we didn't know how to do that. And the way it would just, you know, sometimes it just comes out by being bad friend, right? Yep. <laughs> you know, yep. And so, yeah, Very I much. think this movie, it's kind of, it's funny because it's not really like a streamlined narrative. It's not really trying to do much more than just have you sit and 
experience this house for a day. Yep, it it is a slice of life. Yeah. Um. Unfortunately, it's the lives of of these guys. Yeah. Um. But I I, I do find uh, joy in it. It it, yeah. it really is like you said a time capsule, but it also addresses issues that everyone's dealt with or is dealing with in a way that we just don't anymore. So yeah. I it, I highly recommend if people are at least the least bit interested in in the movie, find it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it's worth watching. It really is. Yeah, it's interesting. You'll see a ton of fucking stars, like a yeah. shocking amount of stars. And yeah. I think the the last takeaway I had was, you know, when when John Rhys Davies is like, no one cares about art about rich white guys, and I'm like, that's a bold thing to put in your movie, which is exclusively about <laughs> rich white guys. But yeah. by the end, I was more invested than I thought I was. Right? Like, I really I'm enjoy glad. just kind of kind of spending time in this movie. Yeah, I'm I'm really surprised that I introduced you to this one. And I'm I'm it gonna feels, I wear mean, that as a badge of honor. I mean, the fact that I hadn't seen it, it probably is pretty fucking. And honestly, <laughs> I went on my letterbox. None of my friends had watched it either. Yeah, it was like the one movie where you're like, no one's watched this, right? And it's, it's not like some like 1930s black and white whatever. It's like <laughs> a movie from like my youth in the prime when I should have been watching this. Now, the the true test about how you feel on this film is: Are you going to tell people to watch it? Yeah, there's buddies I have that I think would like this movie. Yeah. Like, I, I want to ask my wife to watch it. I think she'd be... No, 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 I'm no. out. <laughs> yeah. There are guys I grew up with that I could imagine having some beers and watching and be like, what idiots we were. Exactly. But also, like, reminiscing about those days of just being young and naive. <laughs> so, yeah, for sure, I would pass this on. Sick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man, that's it. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much for coming, man. Thank you for picking this. Again, you're in an elite club. I think there've only been three. Oh, we like need t-shirts made, man. That's what I mean. I, <laughs> like thing one and thing two. I'll just, I'll yeah. number you. As we go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's been great, man. You're welcome to come back whenever. Awesome, uh, thank so you. if you want to tell the people one more time where they can find yourself, man. Yeah. Um, BS Bargain Bin, me and Sandro doing our, our, our movie podcast. Uh, find us. Most people love to see us on, on YouTube, uh, youtube.com at BS Bargain Bin. Twitter at BS Bargain Bin, bsbargainbin.com, any podcatcher you'll find us, Facebook. We'd love to hear from you. We take suggestions mm-hmm. and do listener polls every month. We'll review a movie that gets the most votes that someone's recommended for us. So let's just have some fun, engage, talk about lesser-known movies or cult movies that a lot of people kind of missed out on. Hell yeah, man. And we'll yeah, have man. all that in the uh, the show details, so make sure you check these guys out. Uh, it has been a real pleasure, man. Thanks for making the time. Oh, thank you so much.